0: Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 42. Do not suppose I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Anyone who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who receives a righteous man, because he is a righteous man, will receive a righteous man's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. Thus ends our reading of God's inerrant word. May all who hear it find themselves worthy of Jesus. We've been going through this second discourse of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, and it's a discourse where he sent out his twelve apostles to the lost sheep of Israel in order to proclaim the message of the kingdom, and they were to they were to spread this good news that the king had come. He had arrived and that he was bringing his kingdom with him. But as soon as we found out, as soon as we found out that this was the case, this, this course a turn. for Jesus was, was not just sending them, but he was also warning them that not everyone who who hears this good news will take time to do it. In fact, some would be violently opposed. And Jesus specified three groups of people. First, there were the the Jewish religious leaders, those who would reject their Messiah because he was not the kind of king that they were expecting. Christ didn't fit the mold because he didn't look the way they looked. Second, the second group that would persecute them were the, the Roman authorities. Those would be the men that would that, that would arrest him because, because of who Jesus is and what he demands. He demands that all creation bend to meet him and him alone. For any who who holds on to power, this is just a message that is unacceptable. And finally, there was, there was a third group of people that, that would persecute Jesus' disciples. And it would be this third group that would most likely cause them the greatest pain. For they would be members of one's own family. I mean, what can be more devastating than being betrayed by someone whom you are close to, someone whom you love? But then Jesus gave his disciples some words of courage. He commanded them to not be afraid. And he gave them three reasons to practice such boldness. The first is because they are on the side of truth. In the end, every lie will be exposed and every truth will be revealed. For those on the side of Christ, they can be brave because the truth is on their side. Second, one can be brave when they understand that it is God who holds all the power. When they have that eternal perspective. When they realize that this life isn't all there is. In fact, it is is minuscule when compared to the everlasting glory of the life that is to come. Thus, these these men who persecute you are not to be feared. For the worst thing that they can do to you is send you to your kingdom. It's a little bit of it. So finally, and most importantly, one can be brave in the midst of persecution because they they are under the loving care of their Heavenly Father. Ultimately, he is in control of all of it, and he will do what he feels is best in all circumstances. But being brave doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. For we've come to this portion of Jesus' discourse that, that may be the hardest for us to hear. There is a cost that comes with following Christ. A cost that will hit home for many of us here today. And yet, yet, Jesus calls us to follow him no matter how painful it gets. Let's see what that cost is. Look at verses 34 through 36. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. What's going on? Is Jesus confused? As as Jody said, wasn't it just over Christmas that we read that Jesus is the Prince of Peace? How can he now say that that he, he came not to bring peace, but a sword? The key to understanding this is in the context. You see, the, the, the peace that Jesus brings is a peace between man and God. It's a peace for all who believe. And this is the message that Jesus was sending these 12, 12 out to proclaim. But it is this same message that the world cannot stand. For, for in order for there to be peace, one must first humble themselves and submit to God's will. And unfortunately there are many that have denied their king because they can't stand the idea that Jesus is their master. And so they take up a rebellious posture and, and shake their fists at God. But since they cannot reach him, often they turn their attack on the ones who proclaim this truth, this gospel of the kingdom. You see, Jesus, this, this Prince of Peace, He puts a fork in people's robes. He demands that they choose a side. Either they repent and they yield to their Creator, or they remain in that battle against their Maker. And those who, who choose the latter take their fight to the ones they can see, particularly to the ones closest to them. A child against a parent a brother against a brother, a sister against a sister, maybe even a husband against a wife. How many of you have experienced the same thing? Strife between family members because of Jesus? People you love, people you hold dear, who have denied their kingdom. And because of this, there has been a strain in the relationship. There is hostility between you and the one that you love. This story is not new. In fact, it's as old as the day is long. One just has to think back to Cain and Abel. It's in that story where we see how a full-fledged hatred of God caused one brother to murder another. And even the saying that Jesus expresses here, he, he, he's quoting from Micah. He, you know, when he says a man's enemies will be members of his own household, that's what we just read in the book of Micah. And Micah was describing a time of, of sinfulness and rebellion during the days of King Ahaz. And it was at that time where there was great division between those who were faithful to God and those who chose the path of wickedness. Dear friends, Jesus' warning here is real. The Gospel will divide some households. And if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, then you need to be prepared for when that division comes. The commitment for which Jesus asks is not the thing of heart. I mean, just look at Jesus' the next word. Look at, look at verse 37. Anyone who loves his Father, or mother more than me was not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. This may be some of the hardest truths to hear from Scripture. What Jesus is asking of his followers is to set aside what they hold most dear, to set aside what the, what the Bible itself tries to promote. I mean, think about it scripture holds up the family as being massively important it teaches that children are to honor their parents and that parents are to nurture and to teach and to discipline their children and husbands are to love their wives and wives are to respect their husbands but now we're being told that that the gospel is is like that sword that jesus brings It, it will come in there And it will cut those family bonds that we think should always be together. But why is this so? It's because Jesus demands all of it. He commands a loyalty that supersedes even your love for the ones that you hold most dear. How many of you feel torn between Christ? and a member of your family, maybe as a parent, perhaps as a brother, a sister, it could be a child or a grandchild, and and your heart breaks because you want them to know Jesus, but they have rejected him. And now that person is hostile towards you because of your desire for their salvation. Perhaps you're like the Apostle Paul who said this in the book of Romans. I speak the, the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race. The people of Israel, Paul loved his people so much that he would be willing to give up his own salvation if he could in order to save them. And I know that that many of you here today have this same heart. Your love for that person exceeds your love for yourself, but that's not the way it works. Just as Paul knew, you also know that you are powerless to rescue those who are closest to you. For salvation can come through only one person and one person alone. Jesus is the only one who can die for someone's sins. Your righteousness is not enough. And as much as you love that person, unless the Holy Spirit works in their heart, unless they repent and have genuine faith in Christ, they cannot be saved. This is a tragedy of our fallen world. We have become a divided family because many people, people that we love, have rejected their God. And yet we love them nonetheless. But with such love, we become a danger as well. Or this, this same love, this, this love for the lost souls in your family can turn into a temptation. It can, it can cause a person to compromise your faith. Perhaps you are, you are thinking that, that if, you, if you just didn't hold such a strong stance, that, 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 that Christ is the only way, then maybe then you could convince yourself that the one you love is really saved. But if you take such a view, the only one you'd be fooling is your father. But that is not in line with the truth. And it is a compromise to the one that you are to love more than any other. It is a compromise to your love for Christ. What does Jesus say? Anyone who loves his father or his mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or his daughter more than me is not worthy of you. Your commitment to him must be all consuming, even above your own family. But he takes it even a step further. Look at verses 38 and 39. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sin will find it. Here Jesus uses this graphic language to to describe the type of commitment he expects out of his followers. These disciples knew exactly what it meant for someone to take up his cross. Crucifixion was one of the the cruelest ways to execute a criminal. And it was the Romans who had perfected. And one of the things that they would do would be to force the convicted person to carry their own cross outside the city, outside the city gates, as just one more way to cast shame upon that person. So when Jesus tells his disciples to take up their cross, what he was telling them was that to follow him, to proclaim this good news of the kingdom. They needed to have the mindset that it would cost them both their dignity and possibly their own lives. The same mindset is coming upon each and every one of you as well. You must have this attitude of taking up your cross and being willing to suffer shame and loss and yes, even your own life in order to proclaim the gospel. The question is. How committed are you? Do you love him more than your family? Do you love him more than your own life? Are you worthy of Christ? After all, it was Jesus who took up his cross because of his love for you. But this mission that Jesus gives is not just a life of rejection. There is also great joy in doing God's work. For there will be some who will receive what he said. And we see this in our final verses. Look at, look at verses 40 through 42. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Anyone who receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who receives a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man. And anyone who gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. In these verses, we're here to talk of both reception and reward. And it is here that we get to see the sweetness of Christ's mission. It's here where we get to taste the goodness of God. And Jesus, what he does for us is he breaks us down into four categories. First, there are those who receive you, you being the apostles. Second, there are those who receive a prophet, someone who proclaims God's word. Third there are those who receive a righteous man, someone who faithfully lives according to God's word. And finally, there are those who receive a little one, one maybe that the world considers least in the kingdom, but is still a disciple of Christ. Now, why these four categories? Why the distinction? What Jesus is trying to teach the twelve is that that all disciples, no matter their title, all have a part to play in the mission of God. All are equally valuable. And and when these people are received, even with the smallest of courtesies, such as a cold cup of water, then Christ has also been received. And he He will reward such people. This is the joy of God's mission. Seeing the reward of Jesus coming to those who who are receptive. Seeing eternal life come to the one who receives this gospel with saving faith in Christ. It doesn't matter if you're Billy Graham or if you're just a small child handing out a track. When someone receives what you say, when they believe the good news of Jesus, that He died for their sins and that He rose from the dead, then the reward of God not only comes to them, but it comes to you as well. They receive the blessing of becoming a child of God. And you, you receive the blessing of seeing the true family in Christ grow. You have a new eternal plan. This is why Jesus says whoever finds his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. All the sacrifice, all the the heartache will be worth it in the end, for there is great joy in being on mission for God. So let us stand firm in the gospel. Let us be found worthy of Jesus. And let us proclaim along with the prophet, my God. But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today with heavy hearts. Each of us has someone that we love that has rejected you. We pray now for their salvation, that the division that is between us will will be no more. Aid us by your Holy Spirit that we might be worthy of your Son. Help us to love him more than than our own family, more than our own lives. And we pray, too, that we would experience the joy of, of being a part of those who receive May your gospel go forth and may it find receptive hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.